Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, y'all. We're here with John Crumpler on this midweek edition of The Bullpen, and we're here to talk sports, doctor stuff, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of the MCU. We'll, we'll pepper something in there on this edition of The Bullpen. Welcome. I am James Roy here with my partner in crime, Tom, and a special guest, John Crumpler. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, James. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the week. It was nice to have the bye week, but I'm ready to get back into some Texans football. No, yeah, I took a little time to reflect on this 500 team. Who'd have thought at this point in the mm-hmm. season that we'd be where we are? But CJ has proven so far to be him. So I excited to talk about this team with you. Um, you know, we started a little late today, so I just wanted to ask you about that real quick. I heard you had a little trouble with your eyes. <laughs> it wasn't my contacts. That might've cost me a few more minutes. I've been learning how to do that. I've been, um, I've been coaching football this, uh, this fall outside. If anyone's familiar with Atlanta, I'm like very much downtown, like by Grady hospital and I'm coaching up outside the perimeter and ended up doing I uh, just just lost track of time there so apologies guys but again thank you so much for waiting I'm excited to be on all right I've driven through Atlanta before um briefly it was not oh, I'm fun. so sorry it was awful it was around <laughs> the same time that you're doing it right now um years ago but I mean I, I imagine traffic Man, hasn't traffic changed. is a different beast I see people I see people in the timeline complaining about Houston traffic a lot and I was there I was there for two weeks and like it's bad. I didn't think it was it was Atlanta bad. I thought it, at least like it seems the solutions that Houston has come up with is not just constantly add more lanes, and that's what Atlanta has arrived at. So, just part of, part of living in the A. Yeah, traffic is traffic. I've experienced it all across the nation. Houston, some of the worst. When I was growing up, I was an hour from my grandparents' house in Houston. So wow, it was wild. But let's talk some Texans football to start it out. Um, I I'd like to start. I, I feel like I say this every week, but it's really impossible to talk Texans without talking CJ Stroud. I just want to look at it. So CJ made some comments in his interview today with the media. Um, he was asked about Bryce. I think some people might have wanted him to say like, oh, you know, we, we're not on good terms right now because it's game week. But he, he was very respectful. I like this answer. Um, my question to you is, is that he said that watching the film and breaking down Bryce Young, Bryce Young's not playing bad football. And that people are just talking about Bryce the way that they are because the Panthers are a bad team. I see his perspective on that. Do you do you agree with that statement from CJ Stroud? I think I would largely agree with that. I've taken some time to watch Bryce over the last week and a little bit before that. Bryce Young, for anyone who follows me on Twitter, he was my QB one. I was very interested to see how Bryce Young would play as a rookie. He was someone that I thought I actually picked him to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I thought it was a staff that had so much offensive versatility that he would be really well situated. And 
I think for Bryce, it's kind of been the perfect combination of bad things going on. And I mean, what do I mean by that? I, th- I do think there are limitations to Bryce Young, and you're seeing that physically of his legs. He's not as he's not faster than the defensive lineman at the NFL level like he was at Alabama. So all of a sudden, his extension window is a little smaller. And then when he does extend, that arm strength is showing up. And the biggest way, in my opinion, is that the windows that do come open on that secondary reaction level, he can't quite get it there the same way that he could at Alabama. Um, But I think that's all exacerbated by it's like Frank Reich got this really diverse group of people, different schemes, different backgrounds, and they just settled on the most vanilla offense possible. It was like they couldn't agree on anything. It's like if you and your buddies got together and you just, you're like, fine, we'll get pizza. That's the only thing that everyone likes. Um, And that's kind of like what the Carolina offense is. Like there's not a lot of, it's, it's nothing very complex. It's, it's a, it's red sauce and cheese over there. So, and then when you put the weapons on top of it, uh, I think I'd agree with CJ that Bryce is playing well. It's just been a very difficult situation for him to succeed in. I mean, look at what Adam Thielen's done. I don't know. I Mm -hmm. think that's indicative of at least a little bit what Bryce Young is able to do. And I agree with you. Pre-draft, I was definitely a Bryce Young guy. It was definitely my camp. Um, young Ari Gold wanted me to give you some crap over your pre-draft takes on on Bryce Young, but Man, I've he, got my Twitter question talk for about you football this year. <laughs> saved for later. So <laughs> okay. I'll give you a hint. It has to do with sweater vests or whatever Nick Casario is wearing. So. Oh, boy. Are we going to talk about my guy, my number one corner? <laughs> no, but I bet Tom's got a question for you. We'll get into that later. Okay. Hey, hey, uh, first off, John, appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. I, I, um, the one question I'm, I'm kind of curious about, you know, obviously you spend a lot of time looking at the Texans, you know, breaking down where their strengths, stuff like that. In looking at Carolina and, and especially talking about Adam Thielen, do you think that this is a resurgence by him? Is this more him being the only guy in town? Or is this something that he could do for anybody? And now all of a sudden, well, he was that guy in Minnesota for a little while. I'm just curious, you know, because I feel like he's going to be a key part to what Carolina wants to do to try to win this football game. And it's going to be interesting to see what this defense does to kind of limit him. So I'm just kind of curious what your thought is on Adam Thielen. No, absolutely. And I think everything when it comes to football, usually there's a lot of different factors going into it. So is it a resurgence by Thielen? I mean, from a production standpoint, absolutely right now. He was not doing this in Minnesota last year. I mean, heck, from a yardage standpoint, I don't think he was even doing this two years ago when he caught double-digit touchdowns. But the reasons for that, I don't think that it's suddenly become, oh, Adam Phelan's a B-plus, A-minus NFL wide receiver coming into this year. I think it's um, – and when they appoint to, you can listen to how the staff talks about Phelan. Uh, in one of his press conferences, Frank Reich said, oh, we had a screenplay called. I had to call timeout, though, because it was for Adam Phelan and he wasn't on the field, which is a hilarious quote because Adam Phelan is not a very physically imposing receiver, but they wanted the play to go to him. So I think this is a guy who has earned the trust of the staff for what he can do with his route running, with how he catches balls and clearly earned the trust of Bryce Young. And that also is in this backdrop of look at the other offseason bets they made at wide receiver. So they went to DJ Chark, who is a explosive vertical receiver. Texans fans have been watching him for a long time since he was in Jacksonville. And I think they've struggled. One, he hasn't stayed in the field 100%. And then two, they've really struggled to put him in situations to go get that separation. And Bryce has probably been a hair short on deep balls. I think he's missing stuff that he missed in college. So that's not there. Your deep explosive receiver. And then Jonathan Mingo, you know, they wanted to, 
hey, these second round Ole Miss wide receivers, you know, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, like let's get our own guy to develop. And I think Mingo uh, has been a bit more of a project than anyone in Carolina was hoping for for the first year. And so all of a sudden, I mean, you can tell, like Carolina, I tweeted this this week. I think they throw on first down like the four. It's it's top ten in the league. I want to say at the fourth highest rate of any team. So this was a team that came into the year saying we are a passing football team. We traded up to get Bryce Young. We've got this offensive identity. I just don't think – um, any of the playmakers other than Phelan have really panned out the way that they wanted. And so they keep going back to something that works. And that's Adam. As as someone who drafted Miles Sanders in fantasy in one of my leagues, I, I could not agree more that they are not a run team or really a, a user of Miles Sanders in any way. <laughs> yeah, my, my friends who have him in Dynasty, they have not been thrilled with the early returns. I traded him. One of my guys in my Dynasty league is a Philly fan. And so I traded him when he was on the Eagles, like for way more than he was worth then. And I, I felt pretty proud of myself for that one. Um, I guess my, my question to move forward is, is more to do with the shuffling of, of people as people come back from injury. Um, there's a couple of big position questions that I, I want to know if, if you think they majorly improve the team. Personally, I tweeted earlier this week. I feel like, you know, Josh Jones coming back and sending Titus Howard back to right tackle is huge. Um, my bigger question, though, that uh, on top of this is, uh, how do you think that uh, Tavier Thomas coming back this week and bumping Jimmy Ward back to safety is going to affect the defensive performance? Yeah, I mean, James, I, Tom, and I don't know how you feel, but I could not be more in agreement that getting Titus Howard back to tackle is a big deal for this team. I understand they thought that was in their best interest to winning football games, especially when Fant was playing at a serviceable level, but. I've got two years of data on the, the Titus Howard at guard experiment. Uh, the numbers aren't good. The eye test isn't good. But the eye test to tackle, the numbers to tackle, what you paid him, you said, hey, Titus, um, I was actually very proud of it. That that three-year, $18 million per knee, I, about a week before I wrote, that's what I thought he'd be worth. That's what he got. And he's worth, he is an excellent uh, right tackle in the league. So I, I think it's going to be a great thing to get him back out there in terms of pass protection and getting some different guys um, who are a little more suited for the run game in at guard. But you asked about Tavier Thomas, and I think that's huge just because um, – and my friend Cole Thompson, he he tweeted this video well before the season started. This was back in July, and it was just the defense rotating pre-snap with Jimmy Ward coming back into the one-high look from the slot – from like a slot box look and then Petrie rolling inwards. And I, I mean, I think it does a lot that when you get to get guys back in their natural position and that secondary is supposed to be the strength of the team. And I don't think, I think obviously Derek Stingley was supposed to be a big part of that, but his absence has not felt nearly as missed as having to play those safeties out of position. And what, I mean, everyone around the team, people who covered it said was going to be, one of the strengths of that defense in terms of how they can change coverage looks. And it's a really nice asset to get back when you're going up against a rookie quarterback who has to this point very much struggled. No, oh, yeah. hundred percent. Jimmy Ward literally, as far as I've seen in the media followed D'Amico Ryans to Houston because he D'Amico said, Hey, come with me to Houston. And also you're a safety, not a nickel. And I mean, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I obviously don't, have the X's and O's in my head on that one, but watching him play, watching the team play when he's at safety, it's evident that the defense performs better in those situations. 
Yeah, I mean that's why that's why they paid him to do. I think actually he like bakered with Ryan's last year when he was in San Francisco about having to play nickel. I can't remember what the exact argument was about, but I, I think he's a safety at this point, and his leadership and his presence is felt there. So Davier time. I mean also. Thomas is one of the best nickel corners in the NFL. So that alone is a huge upgrade. And then when it bumps back someone into, oh, hey, we've got a, a top 10 safety duo again, that's a huge defensive asset. I can't wait to watch this unit over the second half of the season. Yeah, of course. I think the defense is going to be a, a big reason why the Texans win this week if they are to win this week. A question that I would like to ask you, John, D'Amico talked about Tank coming back. And everybody's excited to see Tank. Love Tank Dell, what he brings to this offense. I really wonder, though, do we do we get the, the Tank experience that we got before he got hurt, where he was a big part of the offense with the emergence of, and I say emergence like he wasn't already a big piece, of Dalton Schultz starting to be more in, in the offense? Is, is this going to be where it's now we're going to see the ball spread all over the field? You think – Maybe Dalton regresses back a little bit. How do you see this offense going forward, adding Tank to what they've been doing since he's been out? That's a good – that's a really good thought. And this kind of feels like a two-part question. So first, does Tank produce at the level that we saw previously? I'm inclined to say yes because – so what? The big Tank Dell games were Jacksonville and then that first half against Atlanta. And those were both coincidentally pretty quiet Nico Collins games. I do think this staff has looked at – matchups where they really value Dell's explosiveness, his quickness on routes, and they've come in with a game plan that they want to get him the ball. I think Tank will continue to be used that way. I'm just listening to how they talk about him. They clearly value um, the dimension that he brings to this offense. And it is a, I think, straight line speed. You've got that with Nico Collins, but just in terms of explosiveness and the way that he can run routes, no one else on the team has that right now. Now, what that does for Dalton Schultz, I do think it was you know, coincidentally, when Tank went out, Dalton started to get a lot of looks. But I think it would be amiss to not mention that when Dalton started to get more looks, when we go back to week five in Atlanta, what did Atlanta start to do? They said, we are tired of being punished for blitzing you. We're tired of trying to make you look rookie, like make rookie mistakes and you make us look like rookies in, in return. So we're going to drop a bunch of guys it's an underwhelming receiving core. Let's see if you can beat when we drop eight in the coverage, when we have seven in coverage. And when they're playing those zones, I think that does open up space for Dalton Schultz to do what he did best and what he did for a long time with Dak Prescott, which is, okay, the linebackers are going to be the weakest unit when you're in zone. I'm going to find the soft spot. I'm going to sit there, and Stroud knows exactly where I'm going to be, and it can get there. Um and Stroud clearly has no problems firing it to Schultz and trusting him. Um, so I, I could it be maybe a half step back just in terms of volume to Dalton Schultz? Yes. But I think with how defenses are going to continue to challenge Stroud, the middle of the field and that second level with the linebackers is something I think Schultz brings to the offense and should continue to be highlighted. Yeah, and and I really like that play. That I feel like that's what really sparked Dalton Schultz. He was – in that game, he was pretty good, but the uh, when CJ talks about it, and I know that you coach right now. I coached junior peewee um, for a little bit the past two years, and at, you know, having been the offensive play caller, you know, I I've understood that you know, these kids they're like ten or twelve years old, but I think the principle still applies. You know, when they have an idea, th their minds are so creative, and and I you feel like as a football player, you take that with you through your life, and so CJ, you know, Bobby having the 
the ability to trust CJ to make that decision and, and alter, you know, uh, Schultz's route and get that touchdown was amazing. And, and I guess my, my next question to you is, is have you ever had a moment as a coach where a kid gave you an idea or like gave some input and you were like, that's actually really good. I'm going to use that. You, you should do that. Uh, we actually have one last week. I'll, I'll give a shout out to, uh, uh, to Braden Bailey. We're actually coaching. Um, Champ Bailey's kid is on our team and you might imagine he's a really good player and he came over. We were up, it might've been 14 all. And this is the semifinal game for us. And he told our coach, he said, Hey, they're, the defense is coming hard. We run the triple option. So we put someone in motion before every play. He said, they're, they're biting hard on that. Why don't we fake the option one way and toss the other to another player? And he was right. The whole defense followed him that way. And the toss went the other 77 yard touchdown. So I think players, I mean, that's just my middle schoolers. You can only imagine how smart NFL players are at this. Those guys see it the best. Um, and I mean, when you're on the field, you're, you're watching it happen. It is, it is funny how that transcends levels of the game, but yeah, my, my middle schoolers, they, they're impressive kids. They're really cool. It's great. No. And they're so excited about it too. My, the one that sticks out to me that happened to me was I had a kid, um, we were in the playoffs and we were, it was like David and Goliath and we were not, um, Goliath pre fight, you know, um, and we, we really gave them a run for their money, and there was a, a point in the second half where I, I had taught the kids all season this hurry-up scheme, but at that level, you don't really have a lot of plays you can run out of hurry-up. It's just get up and run the same play. <laughs> and so I had the call, and they were so excited to do it in practice and all the time, and I rarely used it in game. But towards the end of the half, we had we conserved a timeout based on this call, and I didn't realize the implications of it until I did it because the kid was so excited about it. We, we ran the ball run-first offense. It's very motion, pitch, go. And at this point, our quarterback was actually doing the running. We had adjusted the offense to fit him. And um, and we called it, and he said, call NASCAR after. And I said, okay, NASCAR, NASCAR. They get up to the line, and the other coach calls a timeout and stops the clock for us because he's like, I don't know what to do. I was, that was, I thought it was an amazing moment. And that was, that was, there was more moments like that in that game that were memorable, but that one stuck out to me. Um, awesome. And then just to pepper in one more, since I said we'd talk about it earlier, I know it's not quite on topic, but – um you had had a run in i i've had uh, players you know like my posts i've never really had an exchange with a player the largest account i've had an exchange with was lance zerline over jalen hyatt during the draft season that was wild um but you had a player get pretty mad at what you said and now, now to be fair i i to his credit what you said um while factual i mean i i, I said it about the astros in a tweet about the dynamo i said you know the di unlike the astros the dynamo are practically unbeatable at home which is a factual statement but received from the astros and and the fan base is not nice to say um but you i mean you said he plays better in zone and they were playing to his strengths which depending on how you read that could be received one way or another how do you feel about that interaction i mean it was it was hilarious i mean anytime that that happens. I would, I never tag players when I talk about players, this is, you know, their job is to play my job. Well, my job is really to be a physician, but my job is to, when I'm doing this, I just want to talk about football. It's not personal. So I'm like, okay, he's, he's been looking up his name and he saw this like out of context, like it's fine. I'm going to tweet back at him, let him know that he played a great game and that like, well, I'm excited about the team. That'll be that. And then he, he followed up with it. He's like, no, I do have a problem with this. And I, 
I mean, I'm not sorry that I said that at all. Like he excelled in a, a Lovey Smith like zone based scheme last year. PFF career numbers are much better in zone. I mean, I, I love that he didn't rush to defend Shaq Griffin. He didn't say Shaq is a great man corner too. He's just talking about himself. So the the whole thing is pretty funny. Honestly, it was a great day with the, uh, it was pretty interesting to see how many people too wanted to come at me who I like otherwise never see at the timeline, but you, you know, it, it happens. I, I'm not really upset about it. I stand by what I said, but I mean, he's played great football. I said last week when he was getting, I mean, Rashid Shaheed for the, uh, for New Orleans had an absolute day. I, I was like, I got to start tweeting about Steven Nelson again, if this is going to keep happening. <laughs> you said, I motivated him with my, with, with my, my, uh, his zone with my mean tweets saying that this is, that he's a great corner in zone, like one of the best. And he, and it's even funnier. He's like learned football. And I'm like, I'm like nowhere in the, t- you know, those tweets where it's like, apples are good and then it's like someone on twitter why didn't you talk about mangoes like educate yourself like why do you hate oranges that's like what i really felt the interaction he's like he's like some coverage turns into man and i'm like i I never said that it didn't i didn't say that you're not capable of doing that i just said they called 98 percent zone coverage on the game so i mean to be fair zone coverage i i feel like only doesn't turn to man when you blow it and you're not in position if you're if you're in position, you do eventually pick up a man and have to cover him in zone coverage. Yeah. Am I, I think like specifically he's talking about like some of those like zone concepts, especially like cover three, cover four, like you're going to carry routes vertically. So they do become like straight up man. Um, I mean, for example, you think about like his pick versus um, the Pittsburgh Steelers on Calvin Austin. So like per next gen, that was zone that was labeled cover six, but because that route goes vertical, like he's in man coverage, like against that guy. And I think that's what, he was trying to tell him and it's like, man, I, I never said you were a bad zone corner. I'm sorry that you interpreted this to mean that, but I've uh, been a, a little more careful there. I'm like, okay, how could this tweet be interpreted? What do I want to say? And I've changed some language here and there. So honestly, a, a fine experience. The first time that's ever happened though, for, for me as well. Oh yeah. That's always where I get caught. Is like, I think, Oh, this is harmless. I can say this this way. And then someone comes and replies and they're like, that is incredibly and insanely offensive to me. I can't believe you didn't think about mangoes when you said that. <laughs> yeah. No, no there's always the, those moments on Twitter where you're like, oh, oh okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to dial it back. Like this was the uh, 280 characters does not give enough room for nuance on this topic, but that's why we love the website. It leads to some hilarious interactions like an NFL corner tweeting at me to to go learn football which i love which is it's true i did um but it's it was great it was honestly fantastic especially when they when they were winning like that i was like okay man like if you win again like that jacksonville game I'll keep... <laughs> well getting back to the game a little bit i'm really curious what you think like we have this segment when we break down the game for the psf guys where James likes to storytell a little bit. He likes to give a narrative. He likes to play. Okay, this is how the game is going to go. So I'm not going to ask you to do all that. I would just more like to pick your brain. This team in Carolina has one of the worst run uh, defenses in the league. The Texans have struggled running the football. So naturally, you would think this could be a huge Damian Pierce game on paper. However... The, the the narrative that's kind of floating around is 
Bryce versus CJ. So do we get CJ wanting to air it out or the Texans wanted to air it out to, to, you know, establish that or, Hey, should we look at Carolina can't stop the run, maybe run the rock. How do you see this going? I mean, I think that if we've listened to what CJ strat CJ said, and he's very consistent, he wants to win the football game. I think they'll do uh, whatever the best Avenue to that is. Now, my only issue would be, I still don't have a lot of faith in the Houston Texans to run the ball until they show me. Otherwise I'm really hopeful that the new offensive line configuration, this is the closest that it's been to what we dreamed of back in May. I mean, obviously Drew Scruggs, we're still hoping to see him in a few weeks, but other than that, this is, this is the configuration right now. So I I like that they're going to be able to get more of a push. And I was also very interested to see last game. You talked about Damian Pierce, but, we, we might be reaching a point where Damian Pierce is not the lead back in Houston right now. It's is it more of a 50-50 split with Devin Singletary. I mean, you just look at, I think Singletary's being a little more effective on these runs, like more consistently getting to the second level. And that's not a knock on Pierce, but Pierce's willingness to embrace contact, I think, can be harmful for him sometimes. And this year, I think that has manifested in leaving yards on the field when those gaps don't develop. So I think they'll both get a 50-50 run here. Now, this is a big deal for CJ. I mean, I don't know how closely everyone followed their relationship in the pre-draft process, but I mean, these two guys have known each other since they were freshmen in high school. I think the last time they played, CJ talked about it today, was when they were a junior, when they were juniors in high school, and Bryce played for one of the best high schools in California. So that didn't go well for CJ and he talked about it as much obviously high uh, CJ runner up at the Heisman ceremony CJ runner up he's drafted second overall like could could the staff and Bobby say like okay we want you to have some moments to to look good and you deserve this and if like we, we're gonna win the game but hey I want to put you in a, a really good spot there's a, a chip about this your first time you're gonna play Bryce since you were 16 years old and two stories that are remarkably intertwined the two of them I think that could happen too and I'm gonna be there I'm, I'm driving up to Charlotte on Friday so I can't wait to see it that's exciting I actually so the league that I coached in the junior all-american league out here in California um, is in Riverside County and um, when you when you see CJ's bio it always says you know Inland Empire California and then he went to Rancho Cucamonga High School Inland Empire is like an informal term to refer to like a couple of counties on just inside of LA and, and San Diego hmm. um, in California. He, he's from Rancho Cucamonga. And that's actually one of the programs that plays in this junior all-American league that I'm in. So um, it, on the, in the grander scheme of things, that's not um, an area that's contributing, at least at the junior peewee level, um, high grade talent uh, to in the grander scheme. So he, if he likely came up through that scheme or however he made his way up, um, CJ grinded and, and worked his way up and became a great player. You know, not to discount Bryce. Bryce went to modern day, highly recruited. I don't know much about his history, but he actually he, he transferred that. to modern day. I think he was like the first sophomore to ever start there. Or it might have been um yeah, I don't know where he played before that, but I mean modern day, you would know more about it than me. Isn't it hasn't it produced a ton of NFL quarterbacks? Oh, modern day is is premier. I've got um some relatives that are like looking into possibly that are out here in high school. He's a freshman and he's like looking into trying to go to a better school. And they're like, yeah, maybe modern day. I don't know. Cool. So, uh, I mean, but my question for you, 
Um, I, I before we get, I wanted to get into some more personal stuff about you, John, because you do so much, and I'm interested to see how you manage your time. Um, but my question to you, is, and one of the reasons I bring it up is because I saw Tom's reaction when you said that maybe Damian Pierce isn't RB one. We we've had this discussion before, um, and and I said I think the Texans have two RB twos, and that when they're used well together, it works. And and you tweeted, I read your tweet. Um, that, you know, in general, Damian Pierce is used in inside run situations and Devin Singletary is used in outside run situations. That trend has very much remained true um, throughout the season. And so we're going to see if they keep doing this, we're going to see Singletary get significantly larger. You know, even if it's 50-50 split carries wise, we're going to see Singletary get more yards because he's getting more outside opportunities. Do you no. think that that's unfair to Pierce? Yards, or... but... hmm? I said not necessarily more yards, but I think we're going to see him keep the carries even. And what it also means is, I mean, he outsnapped Damian Pierce 31, 21, something like that last game. And so when you can be used on these speed runs, the outside, and you're the preferred passing back, even if you're not starting the game on the depth chart, you're going to play more snaps. Yeah. And, and we've seen that trend. So you, you think that trend's going to continue? Do you think that the Texans, when you look at the running back position, it, it's a lot of like one, you know, at, at this point in a running back's career, you're early in the process of looking into extending him if he's truly great. Do you think that there that we've missed the window for Damian Pierce to become that? Or do you think that there's still potential for him to rise up and meet the, those expectations that he definitely had at the beginning of the season and, and all of us did as well? I think there's always time. I mean, he's adjusting to this scheme. I don't think this is something he was familiar with at Florida. This is not something that they did under Pep Hamilton. So can he adjust to how he sees this? Absolutely. If it was going to, do, I think he's going to be a top 10 running back in the NFL. Probably not at this point. And it is making me personally interested at, you know, Houston has a lot of money this offseason. and there are going to be some crazy talented backs. Will they go look to add someone who they trust in, to be a, a bona fide stud in this scheme while they can afford to do so um, without having to invest any of their high picks on that. They can put that towards, you know, traditionally things that would cost more on the free agent market and get a guy at a pretty reasonable multi-year cost for, you know, what $12 million can buy you running back is absolutely the caliber of back is absolutely not the caliber of a defensive tackle that could buy you. So do, do I think Pierce can be a stud? Probably not. Do I think there's time for him to turn this around and look better than he has this season? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Tom, did you have another question? Actually, he just kind of made mention to it. You brought up defensive tackle. What do you think Hassan Ridgeway is going to do for this de defensive tackle group that has not done that well? Um, I, I, I think they personally should go out and invest in a defensive tackle or a defensive end if Grenard doesn't get to where we think he should be. Um, what do you think about Hassan Ridgeway coming back? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to touch on the defensive end thing too. I think Ridgeway is a great add back. I think there was a reason they signed him pretty early in the free agency period. This is a position that's asked a lot of, to put it frank, in D'Amico Ryan's scheme. This defense runs on the defensive line's ability to get penetration, to dictate the game, and to allow linebackers to flow towards gaps and make plays. And that's exhausting. It's just really, really grating to go against those interior offensive linemen, um, especially when you're the one needing to, to generate 
more of that push, more of that umph to go where you want to go. And I think just bringing Ridgeway, another guy, back to that equation, it allows you to keep Sheldon Rankins fresh. It allows Malik Collins for you to get the best out of him. So do I think as an individual, does he bring anything that our current guys don't have? I don't think so. I think that, I mean, there were some concerns about Rankins early on when he was late to camp, injured, whatever. I think he's been exactly what you hope for when you paid him an eight-figure sum in the offseason. And Malik Collins, there's a reason you extended him as well. But bringing a guy back like Ridgeway, what it does is you get the best out of that whole group collectively. And that's something I would be excited about. Now, talked about Grenard. I've been on this all week. I, I do hope they add another edge rusher. They don't have to do it this year. But if you ever want to see the full return on investment for what you put into acquiring Will Anderson, which was quite a lot of draft capital, and he's an incredible player, he's he's playing better. People are hard on hard on him because of the sack thing. The sack sack total can be random. Wait till the season's over. It's been a very small sample size, but the pressure rate is fantastic. And what that says is he's getting there. I hope they go get another edge rusher who can kind of create some of those opportunities for him. Because what we've seen a lot of is. When Jonathan Grenard gets a sack or Jerry Hughes gets a sack, it's because someone's leaving the pocket in the opposite direction or they're stepping up from a Will Anderson pressure into another body that's collecting that sack. So I would love to put someone there eventually who can create those same opportunities for Anderson. All right. Um, not a football question, kind of moving into more personal stuff. Um, I, personally, for me, right, like I have trouble planning, you know, the next 24 hours of my day. Um, and, and so for a little background on John, John is, is an aspiring anesthesiologist. Um, he's went to wake forest and is currently at Emory. I want to say, um, and is working towards becoming a doctor all while writing for Texans wire. And then on top of all that, uh, I believe you featured in USA today, just doing, doing a lot. It's, it says on your bio, that you also write for Rockets Wire as well. Um, I did do that for a time. It's it's been I've had to give up some things, but for a little bit I was doing that as well. And so on top of all that, you're coaching for, and I've coached too. That's a lot of time. I I couldn't imagine coaching and doing what I do right now. Just in general, it, it's how do you manage your time? Are are you just like is that like your personality is like I'm I'm here. I've, I've got my time managed and I know what I'm doing or. I, I don't know. I, I'd love to understand how you manage your time. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think a big part of that is the flow of um, medical school. When life is very busy with that, I've had to take away from those opportunities. And when more time opens itself up, I'm able to give to that. So last year when I was on my third year rotations, pretty much all I was doing was being at the hospital, studying or writing. So that didn't wasn't able to lean into a community activity like coaching um, kind of had to do that. But this year when I'm, I've like kind of been, I'm, I'm done with medical school for all intents and purposes. I have one more month in the hospital in March that I'll have to complete. But right now I'm just applying to residency and going through the interview process with different programs for anesthesiology. So that's opened up a great deal of time while I'm on this research period as well. So that's kind of allowed me to coach, but I think, the easiest answer to your question is when I'm here, I'm doing one thing when I'm here, I'm, you know, I, I wake up in the morning. Sometimes I'll wake. I mean, on my, some of my third year rotations, I was getting up at 5.00 AM. I want to write an article. Maybe I scaffolded the article, found some stats the evening before I'm going to write that. I like to read my Bible, do the wordle, 
go to the hospital. I'm going to work the day there, study for a little bit. And then um, I can listen to a podcast, go run, do text and stuff. You know, I'll kind of get when, when there's time in the day, I'm on Twitter too. But um, I feel really blessed that I'm able to do what I get to do. And uh, a shout out to my editor, Mark Lane, who's been enormously accompanying of everything else that I'm doing in my life right now. No, yeah, of course. Now, you know, you said you're about done with medical school. Are, are any of these, you know, as someone who, who is not in Houston right now either, um, are any of these major anesthesiology programs uh, possibly residencies going to bring you closer to the age? It is, it is possible. I have applied to some programs in Houston. There's two in particular that I'm uh, hoping to hear for, but um, have not yet. Hopefully I'll find out in the next few weeks here if I, if I will be interviewing there, kind of my process right now, I've applied as far west as Texas and as far north as uh, Washington, D.C. And I've got currently I've got 11 interviews scheduled um, that I'm looking at. So I'm, I'm really excited about some of the doors that have opened and we'll see if any doors open in Houston. But right now I'm going to be more excited about some of the looks that I'm getting, which is great. No, yeah, I can't wait to tell the timeline when I'm a little further along and I've got more of the more of an idea of where I'm going to be. OK, yeah. I know, especially with you, you're in a long distance relationship that's in Houston. So there's a lot of reason for you to want to be back down there outside of the Texans, which is as good a reason as any to be in Houston. But no, well, to, I mean, to I be fair, to be fair, McKenzie's in Charlotte. So that's actually oh, that's why I, um, that's why I'm going up on uh, on Friday. But she's also in medicine. She's a PA. So she was looking at work, uh, doing a rotation at MD Anderson. That's why I was there a few weeks ago. Okay. All right. So, I, I mean, I, I hope and pray that pans out for you. Tom, do you have anything to add here? I got nothing for all the y'all. Both of y'all do so much. Uh, James is a lot of the same time when we're trying to work through podcasting stuff. He's normally got a million things, brand new baby. And I wish y'all both the best of luck because my days aren't nearly as hectic. Um, work, gym, sports, sleep repeat that's pretty much it <laughs> well, james i gotta ask and you might have talked about this in other, other episodes and i just haven't heard how is how has fatherhood been how's that transition it's been great roy is growing so quickly and it's so fun because at this stage um i can i can just you know um i guess this is for me personally a big thing maybe it would be less for others you know i i love him I, I look forward, I, I'm, I, we talked to John Hickman last week because he's about to have his daughter. And I talk about how like, I'm thinking years down the road and I'm like already super nervous about like how to be the best dad I can be. But like one of the more, you know, nice things right now is that like, you know, when he grows up, I'm not gonna like make him be a fan of the same teams as me. But like right you now, sure? I can just put him in some Texans gear and I can just film a video and be like, look, he wants the Texans to win. He's a fan, he likes my team. And so that's been fun to work through. He's, he's reached that point. He's at four months right now. So he's about to start doing all kinds of stuff. He's just going to be all over the place. And I'm, I'm that's awesome, man. Happy for you. I was, uh, I was actually able to get lunch with John when I was in Houston, one of the nicest dudes in the extended Texans universe, as I'll call it. Um, yeah. All you guys making moves. No. Yeah. I love, I love him. And, uh, him and Cody got a good thing going on Locked On Texans. That's a really yes. good show. Good people. Really and good they people. They both are great people. I haven't gotten a chance to talk to Cody extensively. And so, I, but I, I saw your picture with John. And that's why I was like, oh, wow. We got John on the show. And then we got John on the show. And then they met up the week before. 
and it's wild. It's like a, a cool Texans uni- extended universe connection. Speaking it's a crossover of, episode, man. That's how it feels whenever I get to see anybody from online. I'm like, <laughs> hey, we get. Um, but it's always fun. I mean, I got to link up with John for the first time. Um, same weekend I met Jordan Pond. It was at the Senior Bowl two years ago now. I'm going to be able to go back this spring, which I'm excited about. But it's a, it's a great extended network of people. A lot of just good – good characters covering this team right now i'm hoping to get out there and catch a game in person and meet everyone hopefully i i I hadn't figured it out yet but speaking of characters and extended universes in your in your bio on texans wire you said you're you love ranking mcu films so i'm I'm not gonna ask you to rank them but i am gonna ask you do do you think that the mcu fell off significantly after endgame do you think that there's ever any redeeming it or is it always just going to be this push films out um, at a high rate of speed, build the universe, everything must have greater implications in the MCU kind of thing? Or what are, you, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think it's been kind of mid since uh, since Endgame. I really like Spider-Man 3. That was fun. Um, the Eternals on a second watch through, I actually enjoyed a lot. But uh I thought there might have been a good chance to redeem it with um, who who is the current antagonist that they've been building up, but they've done a really poor job of doing it. Yes, the Conqueror. But then in Ant-Man and the Wasp, they were like, oh, actually, there's an army of technologically advanced ants and they beat Kang for a... And that was terrible. That that did it for me. That was my breaking point with the MCU. So since then, I haven't updated my bio and text. Been a little bit more detached, which is disappointing because I did love the... At least I liked the earlier shows that were coming up on Disney+, Plus, especially during COVID when there wasn't um, a lot to do. But I loved those movies in college. Like I was bringing was going with people like on opening night, every single movie. And now I'm, I'm relatively disinterested. It feels like they outdid themselves with the first four phase with the first three phases. And now what's left. I think the culprit's probably the, the transition from movie to, uh, you know, TV show. It feels like a lot of those TV shows probably could have been movies. Is my oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm like, I don't have time to, I don't even think, I think Loki season two came out and like, I really want to see it. But like I don't even think about it, and then I don't I don't want to have to like think about it every Wednesday. If this is the 21st century. I should be able to just binge it. But I just want to say I'm disappointed in both of y'all, really, because uh, I you got you got Deadpool coming. I don't I don't know I don't know if Kang's gonna be bad always. I I can't see the MCU being terrible. I there's there's got to be peaks and valleys, right? It's they not can't terrible. Be great it's all just, the it's time. not compelling. Like That's it is, true. it is no longer compelling. Can't miss material. It's like it went from the steak dinner to, like, what like something you know when someone brings out an appetizer, maybe it's like a a piece of popcorn. Like you know, I'll pick at it. It's there when there's when there's nothing else to eat and I'm hungry. Maybe I'm excited about that. But for me, I'm with James that I don't I don't watch the I want to watch the shows, but like I'm not I don't find them interesting enough that I'm making time to watch the shows. I'm not out on the MCU. So my grading scale for superhero movies is on a scale of one to three. Three is outstanding, truly excellent. Two is really good. And one is it's a superhero movie, so I'm going to watch it. That's like my scale. So there's to me, there's bad superhero movies, but like I'll always watch a superhero movie. It's just one of my favorite genres. I think this is just one of those, you know, one of those valleys. They're rebuilding, you know, the MCU kind of because a lot of those guys 
10, 15 year runs, they're all done. You know, you look at, you look at, you know, the guys that played Thor and Iron Man and, you know, cap, they've moved on to bigger and better things. And now they have to rebuild that up. But, uh, I've been watching Loki since y'all have it. It's, it's pretty good. I, I think, uh, you're going to see the reemergence of Kang and then they'll go from there. I'm going to watch it. But on, on that note, um, John, <laughs> I, I don't want to take any more of your time because I know you're a busy man and I know you're good at time management, but we've been on for 45 minutes. So I feel like it's about time that you went on to your next adventure. You're not, you're not going to give me the Nick Casario question. Oh, what? <laughs> I, what? We I was ready about... for it. You kind of built it up and I was like, how? Oh, that was the be? Steve Nelson question. I, was ready I, I said, it had oh, that was because, the Nelson... because of how Steve Nelson talked about Casario. That was, I, okay, maybe good. I was too indirect. Good. I thought there was going to be like a direct Casario question and we were going to have to like get into that. And I was, I was really scared about it. So that, that's great. That's fantastic. What is he thinking? I don't even know what the Casario question is right now. Okay. No, that's fantastic. Um, no guys, this was a lot of fun. Um, you really did your homework on me. See, I, I appreciate it. Um, you guys both do a great job of what you're doing. Love the content. Um, and I'm glad we're going to enjoy what is a, I mean, a surprisingly energetic and viable 2023 Houston Texans team to, to watch and to cover. So thanks again for letting me come on and talk ball. Of course, before you go, can you, can you give the people where they can find you at? Yeah, absolutely. You guys can follow me on Twitter slash X, whatever you call it on uh, at John H Crumpler. You can follow me on Instagram. If Anything ever happens to Twitter, I'll go over there um, at Texans Doc. And I, all my work and some of my great colleagues like Big Sarge, Mark Lane, uh, can be found. All of our stuff is TexansWire.usatoday.com. Make sure you check us out. All right. Well, I have been James Roy. This has been Tom. And thanks for coming on, John. You can find us. I'm at M1 Texans Fan. That's also how you can find the YouTube channel for this. Or if you're listening on, you know, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts is where you can find the bullpen. Um, this has been the bullpen and thanks for tuning in. Um, H town forever. Goodbye. Once I find the end stream button there.